When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott. And I am Ben. We are joined, as always, by our producer, Noel the Enigma Brown, and you are you, uh, the most important part of the show, which makes this car stuff. That's right. And, uh, Ben, this is one of those shows where, and you know, we're going to fix this in, you know, afterwards, I guess. We're going to title this one, so our listeners will already know what this is about, but I want them to know that right now, as of this moment, yeah, you have no idea what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely none. I know zip, zilch, zero, nada about today podcast. Correct. And uh, that, that that will change soon, I promise. Well, I'll let you in on what we're talking about. Uh, but there's a couple things that I'd like to talk to you about first, if that's okay. Just, yeah. a, just a few little uh, kind of nuts and bolts type things that I thought maybe you'd want to discuss just for a moment. But this is not the topic of today's show. I'll get to the main, uh, I guess, meat of the show in just a moment. All right. All right. So the first thing that I wanted to mention is something that uh, happened to me yesterday while I was in traffic. I'm long long traffic jam like again i live like 35 miles away from here not that far right mm-hmm. i left here at 2:15 having to be home at 4 p.m. i knew that it would be kind of a you know a busy day on the road or whatever it was a sunny day nice day out 85 degrees something like that there was an accident on the way and my commute was lengthened to i think it was about 2 hours and 20 some odd minutes uh, to get home. So I didn't make it home by 4 o'clock. It was Holy much smokes. later. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting in traffic, and it's bumper to bumper, and I just about as close to you know putting the car into park as you can get. It was stopped on the road, on the highway, four lanes. Mm-hmm. And a motorcycle goes whizzing by me on the, the passenger side, you know, cutting the lanes or splitting the lanes. And I was thinking, does that bother everybody else as much as it does <laughs> me? Uh, one, and mm-hmm. I know that I know the reasons for it, and we'll just briefly discuss that in a minute. But sure, I don't think it's even legal here in Georgia to do that. I, I think there's only one state currently that allows that, and that is California. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's when you're in traffic and, and a motorcycle goes in between the cars, right? Splits the lanes, or as they call it elsewhere in the world, I think they call it filtering. Uh, which makes better sense to me to call filtering. Yeah, but I, I'm not a fan of that. No, you're not. Okay, so uh, I would guess that a lot of car drivers are not a fan of it. I bet a lot of motorcycle riders are in favor of it. And 
I didn't know this before, and because it seems really, really dangerous to me. Does it, does it feel dangerous to you? Yeah, uh, especially at speed. But if people are halted in traffic or slowly moving, maybe. Yeah, to be absolutely candid, I could see myself doing it. I, I feel like there are different rules for bikes on the road. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you are a motorist, in my opinion, it is part of your job to be extremely aware of. Everything on the road, but especially motorbikes, you know? Yeah, but, okay, here's the thing. When that happens to me, invariably, every single time, I'm completely surprised by that bike appearing in the window next to me. Exactly. Going at, you know, 25 or 30 miles Mm -hmm. an hour. I don't, I don't, I can't see that bike approaching when it's bumper to bumper traffic and, you know, you stopped and you've got, Mm -hmm. you're maybe glancing your mirrors occasionally, but there's no, there's not the need to do that, you're normal. You're you're mostly focused on the vehicle right in front of you. Well, here's the here's the other thing. One of the things I see is a big danger for this in slow moving traffic, mm-hmm. what I call molasses traffic, where people are trying to merge into another lane. Yeah. That that could be a very dangerous situation very quickly. Well, that's it. That's the thing is that you know people are trying to jockey for lane position all the time because there's a lot of on and off ramps there. And uh, I find that, you know, if somebody were just just inadvertently, I mean, I could easily fall into this where I try to get over a lane to the right and that that biker strikes the right front of my car. And yeah. it's it's totally inadvertent. But I would look like the jerk, you know, in that situation because I, I cut that guy off. But um, I, I know you're supposed to be looking at your your mirrors and all that. But here's the thing. And I, I, I will uh, I'll, I'll maybe end on this because I don't want bikers to be too mad at me uh, because <laughs> I understand why they do it. You know, because I would do it, too, if I were in traffic. Well, that's the thing. You probably would. Right. I mean, if you put the shoe on the other foot, you probably would would do this. It's like if you had a flying car and there was traffic. If you had a way to circumvent traffic, of course you would. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the thing is, to be honest, it's actually safer for motorcyclists to do that. And I didn't really put that together until I, mm. I read about it. But they said, a, uh, like, one of the most dangerous things for a biker could be this stop-and-go traffic where, you know, you've got distracted motorists, people that aren't really paying attention other than, you know, the car in front of them moved ahead, kind of like what I was just describing, yeah. where you're, you're focused on that front bumper or the one right in front of you, and as soon as they creep up three feet, you move up three feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a biker, that just it, it, um, increases the um, the probability of contact between the bike and another vehicle. And I get that. I understand that. So they're better, they're better to be in motion and, uh, you know, seeing, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, um, you know, picking their way through traffic in that way. It's, it's mm-hmm. easier for them to do that than to sit with a, uh, an idling car behind them that may creep forward and bump into them. So I get yeah, that. Yeah, I could see that. I get that. All right. Uh, okay, we'll move on past that. That probably could be an entire show, by the way. Mm-hmm. But um, the second thing, Ben, that I want to mention before we talk about today's topic yes, is I've had this problem a lot recently. In fact, this happens every day to me uh, as I'm exiting the highway here. I, I get off mm-hmm. of 7585 right near a, a, ca- a college campus. And you keep busting through those roadblocks? <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge problem for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Hollywood style. So as I get off the highway... Um, you got a picture of this is that I'm turning onto a, a road that goes over the highway mm-hmm. and I need to turn left. And the problem is the two lanes that exit, you know, the, uh, the ramp. Yeah. Those two lanes, both of them turn left. You can go right from one. You can go left from one. And the other one is left only. Okay. I think everybody yeah. can picture that. Yeah, sure. The problem here is that I, I can, t- I need to be in the lane that goes, is on the right hand side of the ramp that go also goes left. But when you get up to the light, and, you know, there's signs that indicate you can do this, you know, that, mm-hmm. that it's proper, mm-hmm. the lines that are painted on the road have worn away so that the person in the 
left lane, the left exit lane, feels that they can cut across all three lanes of traffic when they make that left turn, and the person that's in the right lane gets pinched out every single time. Hmm. And I don't need to be in that lane. That that becomes like a turn lane right away, so I know that I have to be in the other one. The problem is that nearly every single day, someone is either almost, you know, nosing into the, the, the edge of my car, the, the side of my car, right. the left side, or... I'm finding where they're they're going right across my front bumper, and uh, this has led to a lot of trouble. On mm-hmm. I mean, because they they're angry at me, I'm angry at them. But the thing is, I'm right. Looking at the signs, I'm right, and yeah. and the the, ro- the 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 lines on the road just aren't there anymore. Do they ever honk at you? Uh, they do, yeah, and that makes me especially angry because I know in that situation I'm right. It just by that point, you know, I've been in the car for almost two hours, you know, to get down here, yeah. and I'm I'm a little bit angry, I'm a little a little testy at that point. I'll admit it, but uh, but it happens. I, I without exaggerating, like ninety to ninety five percent of the time, it's it's almost always every single time I make that turn. There are people who would encourage you to just stay in the far left lane, and and, and but then I end up in a turn lane that I don't need to be in, and then I cause trouble. You know, 50 feet later, when I have to get to the right in the same traffic that I was trying to avoid, so it's a it's a it's a real situation. I mean, it's a real struggle. Do you have a uh, conceal and carry permit? <laughs> I do, but I'm not going. <laughs> I, I don't. I won't let it escalate to that level. Okay, at this I'm point. just picturing. Have you seen the Russian dash cam videos <laughs> yeah. of how? Apparently, the new turn signal in Russian traffic is to hold your gun out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've seen some of those. Those are just absolutely insane. And all you have to do is mention Russian dash cam. And I think everybody kind of gets the idea that those are some silly, well, not silly, but crazy videos. It's one of my favorite things to watch on the Internet now. Yeah, there's a there's a great variety there as well. I mean, the, the newest scam or whatever. But mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not even going to go in. There's another situation that's similar, but I'm not even going to talk about it. I feel like I mean, I've, that happens so so often. You know, you can write to uh, your local <laughs> municipal authorities and say, please. Yeah, well, I please. feel like a big baby doing that. But uh, but I know that other listeners have probably a similar intersection in mind. I mean, everybody can probably picture one where there's always there's consistently a problem, like a confusion with the the lines on the road or the signs that uh, that is frustrating to no end. You know, you're not a um, the, you're not being a baby when you ask the people that you're paying to do work for you to do their job. Well, that's true, and then you got to think like, well, are the people even going to notice the lines on the road because, uh, well, you know what, this is a a, a bigger thing. Let's uh, let's move on to today's show. How about okay, that? all right, oh, so man, and a collective sigh from the audience finally. <laughs> Oh, I don't know about that, but I do know that today's show is another installment of Scott and Ben's mystery series, wherein one of us comes with an idea, comes with a question, research, a story. The other one has nothing. As you said before, zip, zilch, zero, nada. I was not allowed to learn of this or to, and of course, to do any research on it, so... I'm flying blind by the seat of my pants. I'm you're, a leaf on the wind. You're going to do just fine. I promise you. I, I guarantee you that you're going to be fine with this topic. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, right, so I know just as much as, oh, wait, I know less than you do now, ladies and gentlemen, because I don't even know the title of this yet. Exactly right. Yeah, we were, we're naming it after. So here's here's the scoop. And and this is a little different than we normally do. Normally we come in with just kind of a, uh, a simple question that you right. or I think up and that's it. But this one... Uh, was actually a listener suggestion for a show, and I thought it actually made a good question for me to come in with you okay. and see what you think about this because All it's right. it's something that um, 
You may have pondered in the past, but uh, okay, let's let's just get yeah, it. Yeah, this, so this comes from uh, from Rudy Smith. It's a fantastic idea. And yeah. I, I had What's written, going on, Rudy? Well, I had written back to Rudy about this. Um, I'll just read the note. I won't even read you the title of the email. Okay. It says, Scott and Ben, I recall reading an article about the high divorce rate among people who have just completed the building of their dream house. It made me wonder about the advisability of owning a dream car. Ah. It could be a bad idea, and it might even be dangerous. You've heard the stories, and then he gives a bunch of examples here. Now, I'm going to read these examples. He gives about seven or eight, and uh, just kind of bear with me, but mm-hmm. that is really the the, uh, the focus of today's show has been the hazards of owning a dream car, or maybe should you buy your dream car? Is it really all that it's stacked up to be? So here's uh, his his five instances where this has gone wrong. Okay. Okay. Uh, so... Here's number one. A prosperous middle-aged man starts crying or becomes enraged because his new dream car has its first visible scratch or dent. His reaction to a similar scratch or dent on an older and less valuable car was near indifference. And I can mm-hmm. totally understand that. We just talked about that in a, in a previous episode that we recorded. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, uh, you know, just the, uh, the comfort of driving in a car that is not a pristine version of whatever that is. A car that might have some dings and some dents and some, uh, weird idiosyncrasies. Yeah, that was, you're talking about the, um, the El Camino, the El Camino right? Camino, yeah, sure. yeah, and how, how, it's almost comforting. And you were talking about the Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was in way better shape than the Well, Alchemy. I kind of would have been upset if somebody dinged the Mercury, but uh, maybe yeah, the paint that... paint job did look nice. Maybe that Trans Am. I've had others along the way that, right. you know, yeah, maybe not so much. Uh, okay, number two. And uh, this one, maybe we'll come back to this one, too, but um, it, we talked about this one in the last episode, too. A compulsive, obsessive car washer who consistently strives to keep his car clean and perfectly maintained. And we did talk about that. That That's was true. That was my first, uh, well, that was my first example, that one. But... Rudy says here, and this is a parenthetical, I used to be like this with one motorcycle I had, and I even carried a dedicated toothbrush for cleaning bugs from the rearview mirror while on road trips. That's dedication for sure. That is, but you know what? I don't think that's all that unusual. I think no. that there are people, my, my uh, father-in-law, he uh, he's always had a Corvette of some kind. Mm-hmm. And you know he'll keep it for years and years and years and put very low miles on it. But he's always had one. And the last time that he upgraded was the, the 1999 Corvette when it was brand new. So that gives you an idea of how long he hangs on to them. He mm-hmm. still has it. When he drove over to our house one time in it, which is very rare, he didn't usually do it that often. Uh, uh, on the way, I think a bird and a, you know there was an accident on it. You know, bird. Mm-hmm. You can expect. You understand what happened there. So when they arrive, I you know I go out to greet them in the driveway. Yeah. And he pulls out from behind the seat a a diaper, like a baby diaper, like a soft cloth diaper. And a bottle of uh, of water, bottled water, mm-hmm. and he pours a little bit on the diaper, and he carefully wipes that away, and he inspected the rest of the car to make sure there was no other incidents like that on it. I mean, he carried that specifically for that purpose. It was just in case something got on the car like that, you know, uh, some road debris or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people become obsessive about stuff like that. They really do. And I, I totally understand carrying, uh, you know, specific brushes and things like that for cleaning. I get it. I have massive respect for that. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, it's not always possible, but when you do have that, that, that thought or that feeling that, you know, that's something you need to keep in that kind of condition, uh, any little thing that disturbs that, we're probably getting into an OCD discussion maybe, but, uh, <laughs> that I don't know if I want to go down because I've got quite a few. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's a third example. And there's, again, there's seven or eight of these. The third one is a man who is finally able to afford a high performance sports car and kills himself accidentally in a high-speed crash within hours of buying the car. And I'll be honest, this this does happen more than you might think. Um, you leave the dealership, 
you're driving around, you, you, you take it easy at first, you know, you're showing off a little bit, showing friends or whatever, and then comes a time when you really want to hit it, maybe in your, in your, uh, neighborhood or whatever, uh-huh. cars got cold tires, and there's that big oak tree at the end of the street, and it happens. Uh, it's sad when it does, or maybe they get on the highway and they, they goose it at, you know, 65 miles an hour and the wheels spin, which you don't expect, right. you know, a high performance car or whatever, and you spin out. Um, stuff like that does happen. It's tragic. It does happen. Um, so that's, a, that's a good example. Um, the next one is, um, think about this. A man who buys a luxury car only to find that it gains too much unwanted attention and it leads to concerns about his personal security and the car falls into disuse except for maybe special occasions. And he says, well, think for example, notice that most used Rolls Royce cars have extremely low mileage for their age. And he's right. I mean, you might drive it to the country club, you know, to, to take, uh, you know, the guys out for golf or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, some people might commute in that car and that might be all they use it for or just a Saturday car, drive around town. Uh, that's a perfect example is like an old Rolls, Rolls Royce car. It's not something you use every day for every situation, but when you do, um, you, you find that, you know, um, you get extra attention, I guess, in that car. Maybe sometimes unwanted attention mm-hmm. in that car. So that's another situation. Uh, one more here. Actually, a few more here. Do you want me to stop along the way here or do you want to? Uh, you... No, no. Okay. All, All right. I'll just keep going then. Um, think about this. The, the common case of people who buy a car with all the creature comforts only to find that they prefer their old and simpler car. Oh, I could see that for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think we've even talked about that, mm-hmm. right? In our, uh, um, our, our car review show, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I would go back to my 05 Honda Civic if I could. <laughs> um, in some, in That's some not the situations. That's said that either. Yeah, it's true. All right. And, uh, this next example, Ben, is one that's, uh, it's pretty rare, but it, it has happened before. And this is a, a good example. Uh, the man with such severe buyer's remorse, you know, after purchasing this, this dream car, this, this big expensive vehicle, uh, that he commits a crime. And you might think, well, what are you talking about? Like yeah, bank robbery, something like that? Well, the example that, that Rudy gives here is the guy that crashes Veron into a lake and then tried to blame it on a collision with a pelican. Do you remember that? And he was caught on a, uh, the cell phone. No way. Um, you know, ditched it into the lake. I think we talked about it years ago. Uh, but it turns out it was just a, um, a case of insurance fraud. And the guy had no idea that somebody would have a, a camera phone out. Uh, this was a long, long time ago, too. Uh-huh. I don't know, you know, it was probably like the first version of the iPhone or something. I don't remember when it was, but, uh, the guy had no idea that anybody would be, uh, you know, recording him as he ditched his car into the lake, this $2 million car into a lake. And he blamed it on Pelican. When the the uh, the video clearly shows there's no pelican there at all, so he was busted for insurance fraud. He thought he was going to get away scot free, but that's the thing is when you're in a car like this, it garners a lot of attention and people are always watching you. That's true. And they're always looking at you, so it's it's extra unwanted attention in a lot of cases, and in that case for sure. Um, okay, this is the last of Rudy's here. Okay, all right. Um, the Garage Queen. And, uh, this is one that, you know, you, it's a big, big purchase. Right. But the problem is that it just sits in your garage. It's seldom driven. It's not really a project car because everything's already done on the vehicle. You don't have to work on it. You don't have to go out and make it better every time that you see it. Uh, in fact, every time you touch it, you're probably making it a little worse. <laughs> really, if you want to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the thing is, it, it never hardly sees the road. I mean, it, it may be your, your most expensive possession. But no one ever gets to see it, and you almost get to the point where you resent owning it. Um, that it, it's costly. You can't really take it out w- when you want to to do everything that you want to because it is kind of a showpiece. It is something that's uh, that's cherished in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- those are some good ones, right? Those are yeah, seven those really really good ones. And 
I can tell you that I've got a, a couple to add to this, and, and I'll keep it kind of brief, but we've talked about maintenance as well, and this is a huge one. Now, when you buy a dream car, let's say that you know you're, it's your dream to own a Ferrari, and you can buy a, and this is an example we always use because they're out there. Yeah. The, uh, the Ferrari, the 308, the Ferrari 308 model in particular. And there's, I know versions of that that are more expensive, but to be honest, you can buy one for a, a reasonable one for about twenty to $25,000. That's not completely out of, uh, out of range. Right. For somebody for a fun car. You know, let's say that's a uh, middle-aged guy wants to have a fun car for the weekend or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not out of range for somebody to buy as a second vehicle, you know, just as a, a, a fun thing, a toy. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. It's a it's a feasible thing. However, you're anticipating exactly what I, I was my, my first reaction would have been. But maintenance, because while there might be a discount on this used 308, you know what there's not a discount on ever? Ferrari maintenance. Ferrari maintenance. The uh, replacing the tires, replacing the brakes, the consumables, the oil change alone. Oh yeah, and here we go with the timing belt stuff, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah, always yeah, yeah. That is a uh, that's it's a, it's one a they, repeated they, problem. They claim it's a nightmare, and it's yeah. and it's an early change on that as well, an early and frequent change. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the thing is, you got to weigh all of this. You got to take all this into consideration. The when hidden you're buying cost a car. of ownership, I think we it, called it exactly right, and you know. 
I can, I, I've got a minor version of this that I can, that I can, um, describe to you. And when I say minor, I mean really minor because okay. it's not, it's not my dream car. And I, in fact, later I want to talk about that in just a moment. Dream car means a different thing to a lot of people. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment, but not my dream car, but I had an MG and I, I've mentioned my MG mm-hmm. many times. It was a 66 MG and it had an Arkley body on it, Arkley SS. Yeah. And I, I love the car. I mean, I, it was one that I polished all the time and I took very good care of it and I was always fixing things on it and made sure it was running, you know, for the weekends and I'd spend hours cruising in that car. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, it did draw a lot of attention and I kind of, I, I, I gotta admit, I kind of liked that about the car at that time. I don't know if I would appreciate that now. It's a head turner. Yeah, it really was. It was fun to drive and it, uh, it made people, you know, ask what it was and it brought up a lot of conversations with people at, at the gas pump and things like that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a fun car to own. I don't know if I'd be up for that right now in this part of my life, but maybe. Uh, we'll see. And one time in particular, Ben, this caused a lot of trouble for me. And, what? and, it, well, not a lot, but it was something that really opened my eyes to, what might be happening, you know, while, I, while I'm away. And uh, maybe two times, really. So the thing is that, you know, it did draw a lot of attention, and even when it was parked, it did, because it was so unusual, so different. So I'd park it on, you know, the street corner, you know, as I'm going into a pub or something, you know, with some friends to get a, a lunch or whatever. Yeah. And I'd come back out, and this happened one time. I came back out, and somebody had stolen pieces off of the car. And it, and carefully stolen, like it wasn't like you know grabbing, you know, like tearing out the radio or something like that. Uh-huh. It was they had stolen the turn indicators, which were I'm going to guess like thirty some dollars. But my assumption here is that it was another British car owner who needed that piece. What a terrible yeah, person! Yeah, exactly. And they were only held on with like a gasket, you know, they're like a pressure fit type thing with yeah. the, with an O ring around them. Yeah. So they're easy to remove. The thing is, like, uh, they were glass and they were like an orange lens. They were mine. It's on the car. And someone was bold enough to take that from a parking lot while I was inside eating. And that, that type of thing happened. I had another uh, item stolen from it. It was a badge on the front um, the front fender, like on the grill. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a Royal Auto Club type badge. Sure. You've seen these on older British cars, like a crest almost that you yeah. could put on the, on the front. And it indicates a club you're in or, you know, something that's a, of interest. I had a few of those on the front. And one of them was stolen again while I was in eating somewhere. So uh, there's definitely some bold... British car thieves out there that, you know, take stuff like that. And, and it, I bet that happens with other makes and models of vehicles that are kind of unusual as well. So you got to eat in your car, man. <laughs> no, that, oh, they, <laughs> that's something I never do in that one. I know, it's I a, know. Not in that one. I do now, but um, out of necessity. Um, I wish I didn't have to. Uh, so the other thing is that, and this is maybe the, the worst one of all, and it, this is uh, something that happened to me. I was in Pontiac, Michigan, and uh-huh. I was at a Schwinn shop, a bicycle shop in town. And uh, kind of, I mean, even then, a bit sketchy part of town. And I had pulled up, you know, the top was down and everything. It was a nice summer day. I was there to get a, a part. I was going to get an, um, a throttle cable for a bicycle, which is exactly the same as uh, in the, my accelerator cable for the car. It's a, it's a car piece I was looking for. So I was there to have it measured and everything, yeah. and find out what I needed, the right fittings. And I came back out to the car. And there's a little boy uh, who was with his parents. His parents were in their car parked near mine. He was out running around the parking lot for some reason. He's about four or five years old. He had grabbed on. He had, when I approached the car, he was holding on to my door handle, the driver's side door handle, with both hands. And, you know, it's kind of a, a horizontal door handle, a chrome one. He was holding on to it, like, with his hands, and he had his feet up on the door of my car. So you can imagine the position. Like, imagine, like, in a gym or something, like a pull-up bar on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was holding on to that, but his feet were up on my door. 
It's like all of his weight is on, and like he's pulling back on the door handle of the car. And I said, excuse me. You know, I was trying to get his, his parents' attention because I didn't want to, you know, just grab the kid and pull him off of there. I, it would have made some, I, in the wrong situation, that would have made someone very irate. Um, I was a little more easygoing at the time. I would have, I was fine with it. Um, upset, of course, but I wasn't going to, you know, do anything. I was going to fly off the handle or anything at this kid. Uh, who he should have known better, but his parents weren't disciplining him. You know, so it was one of those weird situations where you don't want to overstep your bounds, and like you try to tell them what's wrong, and they don't see that that was a problem. That was the situation. So I just kept my mouth shut and got out of there. There was no damage, really. Um, luckily, you know, the kid didn't have like you know rocks in his shoes or anything like that. So um, nothing really happened to the vehicle. You know, nothing like adverse effects, I guess. Uh, but I got out of there and then later I was thinking about it and I was really, really angry. I was just fuming mad about it. And even now thinking about it, I keep thinking like, why, that, that was just a situation that never should have happened. But, um, yeah, the well, point, the point yeah. is I couldn't really leave it alone and expect that I could come back and find it in the same condition that it was when I left it. And that was trouble. And that's a very minor example, but imagine your anxiety with uh, parking car in a parking lot that's, let's say a half a million dollar car. Right, right. And also imagine the likelihood of it being stolen. Before we get to some of this, I want to go back to this kid. This is something that bugs me. He said, luckily, it was a minor thing. But is it or is this another kid who got taught that they can touch other people's stuff whenever they want? I get I get so irate about this when I I am not a parent, as I've said before. So I am not passing judgment on a parenting style. What I'm passing judgment on is how someone handles their kids in public, right? Yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm courteous to kids. I talk, you know, I, I'll say hello to a kid, you know, uh, but if I'm in a situation where there's a kid that's making a scene, it's yelling at me and or where there's a kid in an unsafe situation and I happen to be walking by and all of a sudden it's my job to play parent. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data and information in one AI powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. 
Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For a second? Yeah. I, I resent that. No, of course, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to a child just to prove a point. And can we talk about how some of the uh, worst vehicle movers in in any city are people pushing baby strollers? <laughs> you really want to talk about that right now? No, I don't know. No, I don't know. That's, that's a rhetorical a, question. That's a spinoff, but uh, we can, we can do that. That's a spinoff. We can do that if you want. It just, no, no, it just, it, it gets well, to me, man. Well, Ben, I, gets to me. I, I feel what you're saying here. I, I get it in that one of the things that if a kid's making a scene like that or, or doing something that's just, I mean, downright disrespect. I mean, that's, that's, that's utterly disrespectful. Um, I mean, what to, if the handle broke off? Well, that, that's the thing. That's what I was really, really lucky that something like that didn't happen. It was a 1966 car, and this would have been in like 1996. So it's 30 years old. It's probably you know within the door there. It's probably not holding on with too much to begin with. Right. And uh, just you just don't do that. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't want anybody to do that on a, on just a you know pile of crap car that somebody's got in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. I, if my kid ever did something like that, I would I would immediately stop the behavior and then and then explain why that's wrong mm-hmm. that wasn't happening there that day and later it made me very angry but uh, that's again this is a, a, a different angle from where i wanted yeah, to go but the, the, the point t- that i really wanted to make was that again when you have something that's unusual or different or unique or expensive mm-hmm. or, or whatever there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with owning that vehicle and I, I get it. I really do. I understand that, um, you know, on a smaller scale, on my scale, that you're you're anxious about somebody, you know, touching it in, a, in an inappropriate way. Ooh. Funny to say it like that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like hold up the, the toy car and like say, tell me where they touched you. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> no, you can't Family do it like shows, that. Scott. I, I know, I know, but that's uh, a funny visual, isn't it? Like yeah. holding up a, a scale model car and, and ne- never mind. I like the Let's idea. Move, yeah, I think we do on. a sketch. All right, we'll All right. move on. But here's, uh, we are going to film that though. But here's the, uh, here's what it seems to be the, the crux of the question is, is the journey toward getting a car like this, uh, more exciting than the actual destination of owning it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just all the pitfalls along the way that, you know, the, the stuff that like Rudy laid it out pretty well there. Exactly. Uh, you know, some of the fears or concerns that um, somebody that, that's making a purchase like that might have. Well, you're also much more likely to get pulled over more often, especially if it's an exotic sports car. Like if you're in a, you know, if you're in a high end Rolls Royce or something, you're less likely to get pulled over probably depending on what part of town you're in that's true but if you're in a speed demon man uh 
sometimes, now I don't know how often this happens. I've only heard of it happening a few times in like, in a way that I can confirm. Mm -hmm. But I've had friends who said they've been pulled over because an officer wanted to check out the car. I could see that. Not, not in a, not in a rude way. Uh, you know, they weren't, they were like, get out of the car, shut up or anything. They, they would just say, so oh, like, wow, uh, 308. It's you know, crazy. Like, you know why I pulled you over? Because I've never seen one of these. You know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah something like that. that. Yeah. I, I can I can kind of see that happening. And I bet that's pretty rare I think that it so does too. happen. I mean, it'd have to be something really unusual, too, for, for a police officer to do that, I would think. All right. So, Ben, there's a couple of things here I want to get to before we wrap up. And I'm sure there's more thoughts that you have on this. Sure, but, sure. Yeah. But um, I, I found a few interesting things. And Rudy sent some good links. And I, I, I dug a little bit deeper as well. Um, we'll get back to another one in just a minute. But I found some uh, some tips online for people who may be considering buying uh, the dream car. And oh, now this yeah. is with the asterisk that okay. says that it's coming from Edmunds.com. Now Edmunds is in business to um, price and sell cars, right? Yeah. So uh, that understood. I mean, there's one point here where it's clearly like an ad for their site. So I'll, I'll, I'll flag that when it comes down to this, but mostly it's just good advice. So if you're actually looking to find something that is a, that is um, your dream car, whatever that happens to be, and we'll talk about that in a minute, by the way. Um, whatever that happens to be, and you want to want to search online for this car, of course, right? Because that's your best option, probably. Uh, don't limit yourself to just a local purchase. You, you know, go to the uh, the filters and change that setting to say any distance instead of you know twenty five miles or twenty miles or whatever. This is filtering that is online. It's different from the motorcycle filtering we talked about. <laughs> yeah, at the top of the show. Slightly different than uh, motorcycle filtering. Yeah, unless you're searching for a motorcycle, then it is motorcycle filtering. Hey. Yeah. Not bad, Scott. Yeah, clever, Ben. You're very clever. All right. So um, anyways, you can you can then search cars that are available nationally if you don't mind picking it up or having it shipped to you, which if you're if you're really honestly trying to find your dream car, uh-huh. that's what you need to do, because you're going to find that color combination. You're going to find mm-hmm. that engine option. You're going to find whatever. But it, it may not be happening, you know, 10 miles from your home. And it'll be a great trip. Like what a cool trip to, let's say, fly out there or then or. Ride with a buddy up to pick up the car. Oh, sure. I mean, drive it back. That's great. Or you buy a one-way ticket to uh, Dallas, Texas, and then you get a cab to the you know the uh, the car lot, mm-hmm. and then you just drive home. How fantastic would that be? That'd be that fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. That would be fun. Drive home in your giant Boss Hog Cadillac with you know the bullhorns on the front. I think we're learning about your dream car, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All I right. I thought so, you wanted that shirt so you could drive <laughs> at what fifteen miles an hour. Yeah. Well, that'd be a slightly uh, different. Well, I wouldn't have to follow the roads. Though. That's true. You'd I just go straight line. It's like as the crow flies. <laughs> and they used to say that in the Dukes of Hazard too a lot, didn't they? Yeah, these, they oh, say that where I'm from. That's two Dukes of Hazard references in the same show. All right, so the next one would be, if you don't have the time to do the exhaustive searching yourself, consider using a car concierge. Now, this one comes with a fee, of course. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you get somebody who is really good at searching and finding you know, unusual or unique vehicles, that may be your only option. You go down to uh, you know, the, your local um, you know, classics dealer, and uh-huh. they've got services where they will say, uh, if you're looking for, you know, a 1967 Mini with this uh, this option, uh, I can find it for you. It might take me a while, but I'll find it for you. Uh, what are you willing to pay? And they'll they'll kind of, you know, feel out the parameters that you're interested in mm-hmm. and then start the search and just let you know. What, uh, they'll bring the results to you, and you, you can decide. Um, it's, it's a possibility. It's not for everybody. Uh, the other thing, and this is pretty 
self-explanatory. Use Carfax or any other vehicle history report service to check the car before you go to see it. So you don't waste that trip. Right. Uh, because that's important. You can waste a lot of time doing that. That's a good point. The next thing is, uh, whenever possible, do the pre-purchase inspection of the car with a local mechanic or a mobile service that will do that. Mobile service, that's an option that is really good. Uh, I haven't heard much about that recently, but uh, I think when that came around, the first time we heard about it, we might have given it a brief mention on the show. Mm-hmm. We haven't really investigated that. but We haven't uh, done an episode on no, it No, that actually, might be cool. That is a good idea. Um, I'm kind of wrapping up with this, by the way. Then there's uh, the ad that says, of course, use Edmunds.com you know, to, to search for the car you know, to get the valuation of the car, because that's a smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do point you to their own site here on this list. And then for older cars, they've got another um, another forum like maybe uh, Hemmings Motor News or something where you can get a, a kind of a ballpark estimate of what it should cost you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of a high-end, a low-end, and then you decide, you know, which end of the spectrum that vehicle is on that you've just found. Uh, last couple here, Ben, I promise, and then we'll move on. Um, don't be afraid to negotiate. This is one I'm not very good at. If you're going to buy your dream car, don't don't worry about, you know, the, the, the listed price. Right. Going with the idea that you can get a deal on that car. And uh, it's likely that, you know, you'll be able to move a little bit, a little bit of wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Usually dealers inflate things quite a bit. That's typical. Uh, personal seller, maybe a little less. Uh, it's, it's tough to, it's really case by case. Yeah, it is case by case, but, uh, but feel you should get to a point where you're comfortable negotiating in every situation. So uh, it's always flexible in some way. You know what I'm going to say about this? What? Uh, when, when I see a, uh, I think some of the best cars to buy, if you're savvy, are going to be cars that are sold by a private owner. Mm-hmm. Because there's a chance you'll run into somebody's baby, which means they'll be more well maintained. Uh, there's also, um, a little bit more room at times for negotiation. Even under the barter system, I know some guys who, one guy went to, uh, buy, buy this Mustang and he ended up, uh, they traded a bunch of car parts for their project cars. That's smart. So it was That's actually a barter, barter system. However, I would say that, you know, there are some pretty easy signals you can pick up on. OBO is fine. That means they're expecting you to negotiate. Yeah. And if they say firm, uh, you might not want to go in there and offer something really low because that will be, uh, that'll be, you know, turned around and immediately goes, like, it, uh, you know, yeah. serious buyers only. It goes back. Yeah. Serious buyers only. That's another great one. It goes back to doing your own research beforehand because sometimes there are people that for whatever reason, sentimentality perhaps plays a big role, nostalgia. Uh, there are people who will purposely want to sell a car what they feel like is a decent profit for them, but is an unrealistic price point for a car of that mileage, that age, and that condition. Yeah, they've tied memories to that car. It's got, as you said, nostalgia. There's that effect there. And it's the same reason people can't get rid of concert T-shirts that they bought in high school. Well, and also, you know, sometimes you have to ask yourself, is somebody pricing this car that maybe, oh, maybe their spouse told them they had to sell it or something? Yeah. And maybe they're purposely pricing it. Not in a manipulative way, but because in some psychological level, they don't really want to sell it. Uh, to hang on to it for another month while they still drive it for the summer then, maybe? Yeah, don't don't mess with people selling, like, purporting to sell a car that way. What what else are they going to want you to do? Give them visitation rights, right? <laughs> That's right. Do they get the car on the weekends so and put holidays? A, put a purposely high price on the car so you can drive it for the time that you want to, and then lower it to a reasonable And then rate. some people think they're the best negotiators by overpricing a car and saying, well, that's, that's my, that's firm. 
don't mess with them. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody else selling a car very close to your oh, dream oh, car. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. So the last two on this list, and, and then we'll go into something different here just, just for a moment. Um, oh, again, this goes back to maintenance. It's, it's just factor any repairs uh, when you make your offer and carefully weigh the projected maintenance costs. Now, that's important. If you don't know what to expect, you know, at 60,000 miles, at 70,000 miles, right. at 100,000 miles, um, all that is a, a critical part of dry, uh, buying a dream car. And the last one here on this list is that you got to remember to ask the owner if the car's title is in his or her possession and ensure that it has no liens or co-signers. Do you remember that guy that tried When I was buying my project car that's still oh, sitting, yeah, yeah, still yeah. sitting there, by the way, uh-huh. updates soon maybe, hopefully, Um when I was doing that, the, there was a guy that tried to sell me a kit car that had a title. Uh, he had the title. However, that he wanted me to change information on the title. He wanted me to change the information on to the title. To scratch it out, not him. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a whole sordid story behind that one. I'm not going to get into it now, but uh, no way am I tampering with someone else's title. That uh, might be a better topic for if we do a crime show. Yeah. <laughs> a car crime. Possibly. Yeah, that was a, that was a dirty deal, and I just had to walk away. Too yeah. bad, because it was a, an interesting car. Um, okay, Ben, last yes. thing, and I yes. promise, and this maybe uh, will spark some uh, discussion among our, our listeners and, well, and you see. too, but uh, when you think about buying a dream car, not everybody has the same idea of what a dream car is. A lot right. of people think immediately of exotics, like a Maserati or a Ferrari, Lamborghini, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's Bugatti. not the case for everybody. No. A lot of times, uh, as this article in the BBC points out, now it's written by a guy named Chris Niger, and Chris wrote uh, for How Stuff Works for a while, unless it's the same name, different person, but I doubt it. I think this is uh, this is the uh, same guy that wrote for How Stuff Works. Um, recently wrote this article in 2015 about um, what it's really like to buy your dream car and what that constitutes for a lot of people mm-hmm. because uh, he, he found a lot of people here, and I think he used a uh, – um, What's that online site where a lot of people ask questions and answers? A Quora. Quora. Quora, yeah. With a Q. He, I think he posed the question there and then got some responses about this. And Ooh. some of them were pretty interesting. There's a guy named Todd who wrote back and said that he looked a long, long time, you know, like, um, he'd gone, well, he'd gone 10 years without having any kind of fun cars, you know, like a, a toy car. Sure. And, you know, saved and saved and, you know, he's doing the responsible thing and, you know, not, not going with, you know, something that was, uh, out of his price range or whatever at the time, but saved up. And then when it was time to buy the car, he bought a Nissan GTR. Mm-hmm. And this is a while back. And he said at the time there was just nothing that could compete with that car in that price range. And he's right. That was an amazing car. It still is, but mm-hmm. at the time it was in its own league, really. And this was in Georgia, Ben. And, you know, at, immediately after taking the test drive, he knew this was the one, went back, laid down the cash for the car, and said right away he got all kinds of, you know, crazy attention from everybody. Everybody watching the car. Looking at the car, asking about the car, you know, uh-huh. um, I don't know if there was a police situation like you said, but you know, everybody, you know, struck up conversations with him about the car. And it was really, it was interesting at first, but he said that wears thin after a while. He said, you know, he says it's almost like you're a D-list celebrity is how he put it. <laughs> uh, you know, immediately, as soon as you buy the car and everybody has something to say, but it does fade to a degree. You know, it's still exciting and it's still fun to drive, but, um, you know, if you're buying a car like that for a sense of validation, you know, someone to say that, you know, um, you know, you're, you're something because he got this car. He right, said, that's right, not, that's right, not right, what right. you do. He said, it, it, it's sort of, val- it, all it really does is validate the fact that you can afford something like that. It's not that, um, you're somehow, you know, you don't really feel that kind of, uh, um, return like you would think that you would once you've made the purchase. Mm-hmm. And I found that really interesting because it wasn't quite as fulfilling as he thought it would be. 
But other people have a completely different idea of, of a dream car, and it's not, you know, the $80,000 sports car. Some people want, you know, the uh, the first-generation Miata, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's an example of a guy that bought, um, you know, the, the first-gen emerald green Mazda Miata that he loves and is still driving today. You know, he bought it 11 years ago. Yeah. Um, makes him smile every day. That's all he cares about on his commute. Um, that's his idea of a dream car. And he said, even if the engine blows, I'm going to replace the engine because I love this car, and it's so much fun. It's in that's something that you and I have talked about many, many times. Mm-hmm. You you know something you like, and you go out and seek it. But then once you've had it for a while, the, the attachment grows even firmer, like you you uh, even even bigger in that you can't see yourself without this vehicle anymore. Right. Yeah. So so that uh, in a way is that a dream car? Is that something that is because you've probably got aspirations or dreams for something even better. But this one really truly makes you happy, and and you don't need anything more than that. It's very simple. But uh, but it gets the job done. You know, another interesting thing about this is that we can take this a step further. There are some people who just don't have a dream car. There are some people out there who just think a car is a thing that takes you places, mm-hmm. point A to point B. And there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. But uh, for me, man, I'm dreaming big. I've got too many dream cars, if anything. It's yeah. hard to choose just just one. And I know I completely understand the argument that it's the old argument about concept versus practice. Is the idea of having, you know, I have a Duesenberg and I take it out the first Saturday of every month. And I, you know, I just drive as long as the weather's nice. And I love to stop. And then if someone wants to come up and talk to me about the history of the car. I love to talk about it, too. That's why I'm doing that. But then, you know, let's say you own a Duesenberg. You're lucky enough to be one of those people. And then about eight months in, it's only been eight Saturdays, and you're tired of it because you're tired of answering the same questions all the time. And then one day you just say, well, I don't really feel like taking it out today. I'm going to just go in the garage and polish it up, check on some things. And then soon enough... You stop doing that, and then it gets, uh, you know, spider web covered and dust covered, everything, and it falls into disrepair or whatever. I mean, you could take this a number of different ways. Crime, you just yeah. sell it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to take this, but there's a few other quick examples that I can give you, and sure. that's like, this. here's one, a guy named John who wrote in and said that growing up, his mom wouldn't let him have a Jeep ever because she was worried about the rollover aspect of the whole uh-huh. thing. And so the moment that he was able to do something like that in college, he went out and bought a Jeep, and that to him is kind of a dream car because it's it's what he wants right now. It's it's that's that's his level. He's able to afford it, and it's something that truly makes him happy. And he wants to buy a second one. And then there's another one where uh, I think this lady, um, I, this may have been from a different article. I can't remember if it's here or not. Maybe it is. Um, I think she had just gotten the all clear, like after surviving breast cancer. You know, like the all clear, it's all gone, yeah. uh, you know, uh, remission or You've whatever. Been in remission for so long. The moment she left, you know, from that diagnosis, she went to the Mercedes dealer and bought the Mercedes that you had always wanted mm-hmm. and said, you know what, every time I get in this car, it's, it, to me, it, it uh, has that, that feeling of I, I beat cancer. You know, it's, and then yeah. that's, she has tied it to that, to that moment and it makes her feel pride every time she gets into it and just strength, you know, like it's uh, mm-hmm. like a personal strength. I think that's great that she can, yeah. and and not only that, it's combining two things. You know, it's combining, um, you know, that that uh, that emotion and also that that purchase that she'd always wanted to make. It's it's a great idea, and there's versions of this. You can take this any way you want, really. I mean, there's there's so many of this. You don't have to buy a one hundred thousand dollar car to be a dream car, right? 
is just whatever makes you happy right now and whatever is in your price range, mm-hmm. find something that makes you happy. I mean, Ben, do you have maybe one car? I know we talked about the Packard, of course. Yeah. But do you think that do you think that is kind of your ultimate dream car? Do you think the Packard no. would be the one? Do you, do you have one, or is it more scattered? Like if it, if it was going to be a sports car, it would be this type of car. If it's going to be yeah. an SUV, it would be this type of car. Right. I, I think it it is like that. The problem with some of the classic cars that I'm, that I'm a huge fan of, you know, like Bel Airs, um, Packards, the older cars, it's not just the maintenance. But to some degree, it's the performance you can expect. So there is a Goldilocks zone, but it's so difficult to pick even within that Goldilocks zone of, you know, enough older style, enough modern performance. Even within that zone, Scott, I still have to differentiate between the types of vehicles because they're made for very different things. Yeah, You know, uh, for instance, there are some really great, ATVs we joked about, but they're such different beast in comparison to a sports car. So I, I am more likely than anything to go through phases. Man, when, uh, when that first, when the first Tesla came out, I was, I was nuts and I thought, wow, this, I, cause at first, you probably remember I was really skeptical. Is and this the Tesla Roadster, the one that looks like the Lotus Elise? Or are you yeah, talking about yeah, the, the Roadster? Sedan? The no, Roadster. the Roadster. Okay. The Roadster. Mm-hmm. Not the Model S, the Roadster. And when the Roadster came out, I thought, wow, this is, this is neat. Um, after I had seen that it was actually working and people were buying them, because at first, I mean, honestly, you know how I am. Well, you were right when, to be skeptical. When it came out, I just thought, oh, here we go. Another, uh, Another car that a celebrity is going to blow way too much money on yeah. and then leave in their garage later. And luckily, it turned out that my skepticism was misplaced. But still, again, to me, no matter how much I wanted the Roadster in that phase, it still was such a different beast in comparison to an internal combustion car that I would, I would have to, I would have to qualify, you know? I don't. I don't think I'm a one car dude. Yeah, it, it feels like, and I, maybe it's something to do with what we do here, and that we're always mm-hmm. looking at you know the newest, the latest, the greatest, yeah. and, and and the oldest, and the coolest, and, and the, the, first. the fastest. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. So we've got so many, um, uh, just such a wide variety of of cars that we look at and and really explore mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. That I don't know if that's really skewed, you know, our thoughts, and that you know now we have like a favorite. SUV, a favorite sports car, a favorite uh, family sedan, right? You know yeah. all that stuff. I mean, I'd love to have a, a wagon. I'd love to have a Corvette. I'd love to have a Mustang. I'd love to have a hum- an original Hummer, like the military version. Oh, I've got um, a, I've got such a terrible answer for this. Okay, all right. If I'm permitted to go cheap, my honest answer would be a brand new Bugatti Veyron that I could flip and sell to someone. That's your cheap version. No, that would be my answer would be going back to my thriftiness oh. because I would get this dream car just to sell it. I see. To make maybe a, maybe a, I don't know, paltry $400,000 on the other side. I think I could do better. <laughs> okay. Yeah, OBO, cut some corners. I see. You know, along the way here, I got to say for my dream car, yeah. I mean, if I had to answer one car. Just one. And, you, and this is consistent. I, I can. Yeah. And it, it's it? consistent with something I said in a, a podcast a long time ago. And I, I don't know if I can remember the title of it, but uh, one of my all-time favorite cars ever, ever. And if I could drive this, and, it, and it's not 
completely out of range. I'd love to drive a Lotus 11. And uh, I don't care if it's a kit car, West, uh-huh. there's, cause a company named Westfield makes a Lotus 11 that is just spot on. It's this perfect. was in our Lotus podcast, I think. Maybe, and it might have been in like, uh, the best sports cars of all time mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I know it, it usually ranks pretty high for the, the real deal. And of course that'd be fantastic, but that's a, you know, that's a half a million dollar typically museum type car or someone takes it out for, um, you know, like a, a historic racing event, right? You know, at, at Monterey or something. You know, part of a um, a concours event, right? An exhibition. But but in in realistic terms, if yeah. I could get my hands on a on a Westfield Lotus Eleven that was you know either already built or something uh-huh. that I if I ever had time to do something like that to build it, I would love to drive that car. It's just it, it's exactly what I want in a sports car, and I mean everything about it: the, the long, low, wide, extremely low. Uh, fast. It's really uh, unique. You'd never see another one on the road. I can guarantee you. I mean, uh-huh. uh, well, not guaranteed. Maybe at certain events, but um, it, it's just to me that is uh, that is a dream car. That's that's probably the number one pick for me. It's oh. an unusual pick. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's your my pick. pick. Yeah, it's your it's your dream car. It's not anyone else's. Yeah, and, uh, and that's the thing business. about a dream car. I mean, yeah, it, it could be the latest Volvo. It could be whatever. I mean, it could be classic. It could be new. I'm going to, before we ask you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what your favorite dream car is, and feel free to have more than one. If you need to go by categories, that's fine, too. Yeah. Before we get to that, Scott, I'm going to flip this a bit and ask you uh, if you have a least favorite. Like, what's a nightmare vehicle Wow. that you would not want to own? Because I, I have an answer. Boy, you know, I read about a lot. Of, there's there's a lot of cars that I've read that say uh, avoid these at all costs uh-huh. because they just uh, they go through parts like you wouldn't believe. One is a, an older Land Rover. Yeah, um, those things are notoriously. Uh, Which we had somebody who, who uh, worked with us who had an older Land Rover. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I, so far, I don't know of any serious issues with it. Which is lucky. That's kind of dodging the bullet on that one. I think. Um, well, let's not jinx the poor guy. No, no kidding. Um, let's see what else. There's a. Uh, Oh man, I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. That's I think maybe a Fugio would also be a nightmare <laughs> car for you. <laughs> of course it would. You know my answer. Uh, of, of course, of which course is it would. Entirely out of petty uh, personal spite. Let me think. Um, boy, I'm I'm straining the you uh, have to guess. The recesses of my memory. It's a Hummer. No, almost uh, Hummer is Hummer uh, is not. You know, I I joke about it, but I th- I think I don't have I don't have as big of a problem with the Hummer as I do with the Honda Odyssey. Oh, how get out of my way in traffic! I can't let this go, Scott. How in the world could I not remember that the Honda Odyssey is kind of your uh, your arch nemesis? And remember, I tried to make peace with it a while back. I yeah. just I can't do it, man. Yeah, I can't. Yep. Yep, I see. So th- this is. I thing. should write to Honda. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe listeners could write in with. Uh, uh, how about this? Three yeah. things. Okay. Dream car. Perfect. You know, ultimate dream car, or Ooh. maybe realistic dream car, whatever that the case may be. However you take that, however yeah. it inspires you. One car that you would avoid at all costs, never ever want to purchase uh-huh. uh, because of you know whatever a personal story or maybe just uh, you know general knowledge. Sure. We're probably forgetting a bunch here. Uh-huh. Um, of course, you go or something like that. I understand, but if there's one that you have in particular that you know just flaws all over the place or you know mechanical nightmare, right? A train wreck. And then the last thing is that you know of that of the those cars, the ones that you mentioned as dream cars, mm-hmm. which one would be 
reason? Like, which one is feasible? Which the one most? Uh, let's say the most feasible. Yeah. What would you fear the most about that car? Like, if you because that's the that's the question here. Really, is like you know what is it really like to own that car? Like, can you you have to really put yourself in that situation and, and extrapolate what would happen if you were driving that out to uh, you know a restaurant in town or something? Right. Would you feel comfortable handing the keys to a valet? Oh no! I bet there's yeah. a lot of people that, that there are certain cars that say, "I'll park it. I'll give you. I'll give you oh, double you the money or whatever." Dealered. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that's a great scene, by the way. That's a, that's, that's exactly the my, well. That's exactly yeah. the fear, right? Is yeah. that you hand the keys to the valet and it goes on a joyride? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people want to park their own car and they'll pay double the the valet rate. Um, things like that that you don't think of when you make that purchase. You know, that's that's mm-hmm. the other thing. We're, uh, just there's a lot of. Um, a lot of unknowns, I guess, until you make that purchase. So let us know what you think about those things. Dream cars, nightmare cars, most feasible, and then sky's the limit kind of stuff. Uh, you can tell us about it on Facebook and Twitter, where we're Car Stuff HSW, both of those. You can also check out our website, carstuffshow.com, for every podcast we've ever done. And if you want to send that list to us directly... Or if you want to send us a suggestion for an upcoming topic or a suggestion for a nickname for Noel. Yeah, Rudy sent us a suggestion, and we turned it into a mystery show. So thanks, Rudy. Yeah, that, was thanks. A, that was a great one. Thanks to Rudy. And if you would like to take a page out of his book uh, or, I guess, a screen out of his email, I don't know. That sounds kind of creepy and big government. Yeah, we got to work on that. Yeah, we'll work on that. Uh, then let us know directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 